Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Welcome back to With You Every Step. This week, I have a guest all the way from Peru. It is Herlina Pazatumpe, and he was my guide and Heidi's guide in Peru. He is amazing. I hope you enjoy listening to him. Please be patient. Peru does not have the best internet connection, so we did have a little bit of trouble. It was dropping in and out quite a lot, so please be patient. It's not the best sound quality that I've produced, but it's as good as I could get with this interview. Hopefully, I'll get her Lynn back, and hopefully, we'll have a better connection next time. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Here's her Lynn. Thanks, Herlin, for joining us today. How are you? I know you're in Peru at the moment. Whereabouts are you exactly? I am in Costco City. Now, Herlin, you're a guide, and a lot of my listeners want to know what it takes to be a guide. So what kind of training did you have to do to be able to be the guide that you are today? I've been doing a different jobs. I've been working as a supporter first for five years. Then I started to be a chef. Then um, I've been working like a 10, more or less like 10 years later. And all of this time I was working as a, as a chef. I've been started to be a guide. Then um, working as a chef helped me a lot to recognize the road. And then uh, the, the, the kind of difficult thing was to learn in English. But now I'm. I think I kind of say at least hello to people coming from outside. No. Yeah, I think your English was good. I had no problem being able to talk to you at all. So when you said you were studying to be a guide, did you have to go to university to be a guide? Yes, all of the guys we got to study. So without study, you cannot be a guide. So nobody can offer you a license for free. So that's one career here in Peru. Okay, so you need to have a license to be able to guide. Yes, also we have to be part of the union as tour guides and then the National Park offers us another extra license. So thanks to that, we are able to work as a guide otherwise. So the National Park cannot able to give you like a license not that you can be available to go Inca Trail. Okay, is that just for the Inca Trail section? And um, that's the main mine that we have in, in Cusco City, especially in Peru. But with with the same license, uh, look, all the final destination is Machu Picchu. Without license, you cannot get it Machu Picchu. Oh, okay. You were my guide and we only did one day on the Inca Trail. And I have spoken about this on my podcast before, how I struggle with heights and you're amazing with me helping me over my little panic attack. What is the biggest problem that other people find on the Inca Trail that you have to deal with? Um, in the beginning, I used to have like, you know, listening and that's not my native language. Uh, maybe we didn't understand each other's well. Most people uh, uh, complain about it. Huh? Location is, you know, it's a steeper section and it's high elevation, especially when we do four days hike. That's like 13,700 feet. That's the really highest elevation. And the weather has changed. For example, this cloud, cloudy, and then you cannot see it any good views. So, like people complain about it. Have you had anyone fall? Yeah. 
Yeah, so people like the path is not quite uniform. We have like up, down, up, down, and then some stones kind of loosen ones. If you're not paying attention where you're stepping, yeah, for sure people and happen this kind of problems. What do you do to help people if they have fallen? Uh, no, luckily, we received the course by, by paramedics every single year. What we can do is and how much you can make your body. And we help you. We evacuate you like in the hands of the doctors like that. It's a little bit complicated. We use humans to carry you uh, like in a stretcher. Yeah, okay. What do you love about being a guide? Uh, I like uh, um, to share my culture, like talking part of hist- historical part, also uh, like costume traditions. And uh, also I have chance to hear different customs that you brought from outside for us, no? like uh, how uh, it's the civilization there and what's the different here. Sometimes we laugh about uh, we we laughing about it, but in the end that's real, you know. Like Peru is still uh, preserving our culture, and uh, that's like uh, what I like it to share with every foreigners coming to visit us. And that's what I loved about Peru is that it is still very, oh, I would say, basic to the way that we live here in the big cities in Australia and around the world in other big cities. Peru has got that really basic feel. A lot of people grow their own food and the food is amazing. It's really, it is quite great to see that when you come from a big city. Can you give me a little bit of background about Peru? And something that you told me that I thought was really interesting was what the word Inca meant. Can you give me a little bit of information about that? Sure, sure, sure. Look, uh, now we still are speaking local language here. And then, uh, but look, uh, now our culture nowadays is really mixed. So because we um, uh, we were introduced by European, which is Spanish people, and they introduced the Spanish language here. Then uh, luckily people who are not living in the cities, they still speak in local language. And these people are considered like aborigines, descendants of the ancient culture called uh, Incas. And uh, thanks to this people, we are able to understand what does that mean, Inca. Inca uh, means the leader, like government. So that was uh, no uh, means Inca. The, the rest of the population used to call Quechos because they were speaking Quechua language. Okay, so like a king? Uh-huh. Like a king. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting is that the Inca meant king and not the people, which I don't know, I guess I just thought that it meant Inca people was the name of the people, but it's the the time of the Incas. Yeah, yeah. We we say Incas just to understand more, uh, much easier for you, no? Because in the books always say it and uh, Incas, Incas, Incas. No, you know. But here we try to clarify what does that mean, Inca. This is unique manner. Incas never exist. We we don't say Incas here in Peru. We say Quechuas or people who live in, in the Andean. We say Andi, Andinos. And you grew up in the Andes, didn't you? Yeah, I I, I I grew up in the Andes. So 11, 12 years old, I moved to Costco City. That was like good for um, continuing my study because at the village, it wasn't on uh, school, also was really far away and it wasn't good education. So the professors 
came like four days a week and for us uh, still like it's not good kind of good education in the highlands because the distance for travel is difficult too it's a road and takes a lot of time no sometimes when the last lights happen and then roads lock it and it's quite difficult to get even for the professor in case wants to be on time too so that's why the main point i i moved to Cusco city but i'm still speaking quechua language with them still Heidi and I have done an episode on the adventure that we went on when we went up the mountain and we got stuck in the snowstorm and we spoke about that and how challenging we found that. You seemed to be fine with it. But what I found was most amazing is how you knew your way. There weren't actual paths that we took. How do you learn that? How do you remember where to go? More or less, we are looking at like when are you are doing pictures, for example. My, um, I'm concerned like which way should I go because uh, like cover these notes, you lost the path and you have to figure it out. That maybe we didn't step exactly in the same way. Let's so try to go a little gradually up to measure, you know, the summit. Like that's the direction that you should go. Like maybe taking shortcut or longest trail, but the point is the summit. So always are pointing to get summit. Okay, so you were making the path up as you were going. I had no idea that you were doing that. I thought we were following an actual path. <laughs> but we were trying, but for sure, like, we were cutting on some section because we tried to find it, like, gradually up, so in some section was a step, so you cannot find that the step easily, kind of, um, like, slippery, you know, to the back wall, so, which is not a good idea, so... Especially in the conditions that we were in when it was hailing and snowing and we didn't have snow boots on. and Yeah, also in this kind of an, um, situation, we might get lost easily. Can you imagine what a cover, like a cloud right after snow and uh, with the hills? <laughs> what, what direction you should go, right? Oh, my gosh. I guess that's the bonus, isn't it? That we didn't have that mist and, and the, <laughs> the fog there so we could actually see where we were going. Yeah, so uh, in this case, uh, like this is like luckily um, when I was working as a ship, I've been there for us to go back like more than 10 times or 15 times. Uh, it's a little bit easier because we know like what direction we should go. Yeah, I never questioned or doubted you once. You definitely know what you're doing and I trusted you. And I'm glad that Heidi and I both spoke about that and we're glad that we went with the company we did. Can you explain a little bit about the company that you work for and what they do and what they do with the money as well? Because I know that it goes back in to Peru. And the owner, it's uh, one of my classmates when we were at the university, but at the time that I met with him, I was in Ingotrail working as a porter. And, and then we started to be a guy, and then we were working in one company. And you know, it's quite difficult to work for one person, and that's why he decided to open a business. He's Valentin. He's doing a, a good projects. I, I saw in a picture, I wasn't with him. And he was offering a like um, sock, soccer game and socks uh, to the porters because he was a porter too. It's really cool to even um, cover your cult that you can avoid it to uh, get um, what I say, a call. Also, he's uh, helping to one uh, pronoy we say like a kindergarten school. Oh yes. And many children he made it a room or like a house. 
Also, like these are the children's like to play between them, so not running like a park a little bit. Valentin's is not doing more than two years. The business is like one year a little bit more. So, and and this year he's doing a really uh, really good things. Hopon and he still uh, help to other com- uh, communities because there are many communities doesn't have that hand help or, or that chance, for example. So it's quite difficult for us too. Because there are many and uh, small countryside needed for help, and there is not enough money or there is not enough budgets that we can help everyone. Us like step by step or little or countryside by countryside. I think that's the idea of him because he's coming as well like family by Quechua speaker. Yeah, I think it's good. You say that there's no money, but the problem is there is so much money coming into Peru, but it's not staying in Peru because Inca Trail is booked out all the time. But these are going through big companies, aren't they? And the big companies take the money elsewhere. The reason we decided to go with you is that you're a local company and I love the fact that you put the money back into Peru because, like you said, the people there need it. But the Inca Trail is booked out all the time. Yes, all the time. It's really hard. For, like you say, there's a big companies that book all their space. Uh, luckily that we found a two space for us because like less than 10 minutes, the, the space is sold out because there are um, hundreds of companies are trying to do this one. It's like you sold and you got a space. And they used to resilient to another companies and to make big groups. That's like another weird things business happening here. This is how you can um, get it some money for you. It's another strange things and how um, locals try to get it some money. But about it, for example, the Machu Picchu tickets like that. So. All of this money goes to the main capital, which is Lima, or the main hands of the government, the ministers. And then these people um, doesn't uh, spend uh, enough money to, uh, what is it, clean the path and make some restoration of the Inca, of the Inca size like that. It's really, really small percent back to Cusco. That's like a big monopoly too. In Peru, so the way how we did, for example, stay in a house of local and uh, use like local men, like the horsemen or the men on like ship. My, myself, for example, we were mainly like 100% locals, you know. Mm. So this is like what we are doing. Like it's not just Valentina, other companies is doing. I like that how people start to offering other opportunities, like which is not just in control amazing things that we can show you to Peru, you know, that's like many companies started doing that activity. Yeah. And that's what I say to people when people say to me, oh, you went to Machu Picchu. How was it? I said it was amazing, but I actually enjoyed the other parts of Peru that you took us to and we got to see because it was off the beaten track. It wasn't where every person goes to. So we really got to see how beautiful Peru is. We did a homestay that you took us to. Can you explain a little bit about what we did and how we got there and where we stayed? Because I can't remember the actual name. I know we call it Little Cusco, but I know that it has a, a traditional name. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, that's called Huchi Cusco. Huchi Cusco. Huchi in the local language means small. Cusco is still like the, the main capital of the Incas. What happened is this, going back uh, our uh, history, 
There were other civilizations called Chancas Vire to Incas, and Incas es escaped there, and then they survived for a while, and then reorganized there, and then back to Costco again to do it like second civil war. Thanks to that, Costco um, back again, the main capital, no? That's why we call a small Costco city right over the mountains. It's this, the community as well is called Huchi Costco, that we say it's small Costco. Okay. We hiked, this is only our, I think, second day when we got there. And so I was still struggling a lot with altitude, which I'm assuming you see this a lot because the altitude is very high there. Yeah, it's really high. But for us, for local, it's not a problem because since we are children, we are behind llamas, alpacas, you know, llamas, alpacas, always climbing over this uh, steeper section over the mountains. And, and then we have to go there running or walking, whatever. So doing this activity very often, our lungs bigger, and then we are able to breathe well at these elevations now. So our lungs are bigger uh, than the people who grow up in the cities because we're still doing all the activities. Children, like seven years old, always are in church to provide a grass for the guinea pigs and the grass always we farming outside of home. So at least like a couple of meters away, you know, so always has to go these people to grow this one. So it's like activity always we're doing that. And how do you deal, I think you had oxygen, didn't you, with you in case someone is struggling a lot, they need oxygen. I think you were carrying some with you. Yes, I, I've been doing that. In case could happen, like, you know, emergencies, we never know because in one day we cannot uh, each other, or we cannot harm uh, each other well. So most of you, you're coming by sea levels. Also, it's part of the regulation, the companies, when we go in control, the and the National Park check us. So without that, you cannot go, you know, that's part of the regulations too. But to go other trails, so for emerging cases, and we carry that. That's our main responsibility too, not to see you more happy, like, you know, one little things can change your mind or you cannot say like you're not professional like that. So that's like part of our job too, to carry the oxygen. That's one way how we can help you in case could happen like really hard read time you know like you were like 5,000 meters it's like uh, 16,000 feet more or less we were that's mm -hmm. really high elevation right? it is really high elevation I've never been that high in my life <laughs> and I wasn't high on anything apart from actually being high in life <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> Can you give my listeners some advice on if they're preparing to do the Inca Trail, things that they should maybe bring with them or something that they can do that might help them do the Inca Trail a bit easier? Yeah, yeah, you should. For example, on uh, regular pants, like really light in case we get uh, wet, you can get dry easily, you know, kind of dry feet. Rowing gear is really important for sure. Also, you should do it like sun activity, at least the volleyball or swimming. People who were swimming, they have chance to adapt quite easily and here on mountains. You know, you have to breathe underwater to swimming. Uh, I've been seeing um, people who are um, doing that. I don't know, what should I say? Uh, and the people take uh, kind of oxygen in the back and swimming like a really deep uh, side of water. How do you call that kind of sport or what kind of activity? Diving? Ah, uh, driving, yeah. Scuba yeah. diving? These people, yeah. Uh, uh -huh, scuba diving, so... These people adapt to quite easier with the weather here, with the elevations. Yeah, okay. And what other things should people bring with them for the Inca Trail? 
just like rain gear, you know, like a t-shirts and dry feet and socks is really important. A kind of um, merino walls that keep you warm. Avoid in case of raining and simple socks cannot keep you uh, warm, cannot heat you better. So like uh, sometimes we fix, uh, I even wear two socks always. Then a good hiking boot has to be. I think gear is really important. That's, can you imagine they're breaking your shoes or whatever? So no way how you can repair there, you know? I do remember you telling me a story about somebody not preparing and not coming properly dressed for the Inca Trail. Do you know the story that yes. you told me? Yes, but there is no shops there. That's like harder things. So in the National Park, there is no activity that you can do. It. It's like hotel or hostel or whatever. You and nature is there. Yeah. Do you remember the story you told me about somebody coming in the uh-huh. wrong shoes? Yes. Uh-huh. Like with a health, right? Yes. <laughs> Someone you told me came to do the Inca Trail in high heels. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was in my group. <laughs> and the girl was really nice. I was like happy to walk close to her, <laughs> but that's kind of experience. And then she finished the hike wearing rubber sandals that we offer it. And it was wearing one of the local people, Chasky or Porter, we said. Did her heel end up breaking? I mean, it's not it's not a place to wear heels. It's muddy. It's everything. Yeah. Well, one of the size break. And then the other one, we break it like for a while, just to the same level, you know, <laughs> one is a little higher, the other one's a little lower. <laughs> yes. So if you're listening, do not wear high heels on the Inca Trail. It's not appropriate. It's not what you should be doing. Wear flats. Wear, no, don't even wear flats. Wear hiking boots. You need hiking boots. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Also, the weather's really changeable here. Yeah, it's quite difficult when you're in that situation. It's like for Inga Trail, you should to be prepared bringing your own um, equipment or gears. Uh, also, you have to be prepared that you're going to receive four weathers in one day. It's a couple of hours later change so quickly as you saw here. It's, one is like we are in the last sections of the um, dry mountains, also part of the like uh, the green Andes. So that's why the weather is so changeable here. So wet weather gear is the most important you thing you think people need to bring with them, as well as hiking boots and not high heels. And do they need to bring hiking sticks with them or that mostly they're provided? You can hire here. There is a store, but if you brought with you, you know, the, the, like what quality could be like, Companies, some of us, we like to offer you like good and appropriate equipment, but uh, there are other companies uh, offer you like really cheap. And uh, sometimes you're not finished to hiking, you're not finishing to listen, someone will break it. You know, it's like about this kind of taken or misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. We suggest you bring your own. For example, a sleeping bag, uh, you're able to hire here, but uh, it's like used by someone, so maybe we cannot land really well, or in case you, you are allergic for some things, and also we suggest you brought your own. No? It's like it has to be minus 15 or 20 minus degree Celsius. I think it has to be like uh, not 30, 40 um, Fahrenheit. Yeah, uh, no, I think it's less than that for Fahrenheit because it's minus, yeah. So 
I know that I did that. You took me to a store in Cusco and I went and hired a sleeping bag and I'm glad I did because the one I was going to take with me definitely would not have cut the temperature because I think it was at least minus 20, don't you think? What was it when we were up on that mountain? I think it was even more than minus 20. Yeah, it was really cold. Yeah, like minus minus 16 and and then I put it two aligners inside and then I put it long johns and then my hiking pants over that i i put it my rain pan too then over that we put it blankets of the horseman mm-hmm. so that's why we survived there as you saw we sleep over the wet things you know mm-hmm. <laughs> really cold yeah so that's what i did i hide that thank god i did because yes i would have froze to death otherwise literally because it was that cold up there have you had any many other incidents like that incident that you had with us or was that just a one-off many times people feel sick and then they couldn't choose stand up walls so you shaking and then lose the the other side this one's the mental and cannot um, talk about well they were really really sick and i've been carried like two hours away like a really by a really high elevation to lower one so in this case we have to avoid it to have first hypothermia and the other one, it's um, a brain edema and lung, uh, lung edema. That's really, really serious situations. So in this case, uh, now we hire people. Um, then we evacuated as lowest elevation that we can find. So in this case, um, we are in emergency, and we don't care about it. And the hike in the situation that we needed to go, like final destination. So. We have to evacuate it to any directions we can find that later on we can fix that. You know, for us also, it's important to save your life. So later on, we can do it again, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is another main um, reasons like the doctors uh, told us like how important is uh, save the life. That's right. Yeah, and we felt safe with you at all times. We spoke about how you guys did everything to make us warm and you barely had blankets on you because you'd thrown all of them on Heidi and I to make sure that we were safe. And then we were worried how cold you guys were going to be, even though you can probably cope with it a little bit bit better than we could, especially me coming from Melbourne where we don't get snow at all. Yeah, you did a great job and we felt safe with you at all times and, and we know that our safety was your priority and that's why... I would recommend going through you guys all the time over anywhere else because that's exactly what we felt. Can you give me a quick little rundown on Machu Picchu and why it's so famous and why everybody wants to go and do the Inca Trail and get there? So I think for most of us, it's considered, or I don't know how you say, back in the list, or back in the list, I think so. Also, it's uh, um, one of the seven wonders of the world. So belongs of the ancient culture, which is surviving uh, 500 years ago. You know, it's quite intact. It's located right in the jungle, never was founded by spawners. And the people want to feel the energies. Like a lot of people who like to do meditations also to receive the energy of the, of the constructions, quality of the stone. People like to be there. I've been uh, leading the groups who come in from Mexico, from Chichen Itza last week ago, and they were really, really happy there because according to how they said, uh, for them, the city was really bright and a really energetic one. And that was like another gorgeous thing. So there are many ways how you can enjoy this. So like, I think 
and then you share the experience and you know and in different way that you enjoy that's make more famous that's like uh, added more uh, things that the people can visit us to peru you know so but mainly it's the historical one and then one of the city located in the jungle is quite intact it it wasn't touched about it in the spanners also uh, it's like one of the great evidences that we can see it not how was the constructions thanks to that we are able to say it part of our history too you know Mm. It's quite amazing how they built it, how they had a system, because they had a water system, draining system too, didn't they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is like uh, the man Kenneth Wright, I think, so was a, one person who was studied for a longer time, but he was part of the American Society of Civil Engineers who came in as a professional to study that. And something like 2000 and liters of water can uh, contains in one meter square. It's a lot of water there per year, you know. That's this kind of water can um, push it to, to the constructions. Thanks to that drainage system, it's uh, keeping it stable that much picture. It's also it's one of uh, really the biggest biggest rock surrounding that. That's like how. Is keeping it stable. That the location is so incredible. Even myself, I cannot believe it. Uh, how they could to choose that place, you know, as Inca. So it's really, really amazing to be there. All the times when I go there, I enjoy myself. It is. It's beautiful. And we were lucky enough that you took us super early in the morning, which I think is a good tip to anyone wanting to go. I would go first thing. Well, we didn't go quite first thing. What time does it open? Um, it's six in the morning, but now it's changed the time. So right after to, to lead you next month, change the regulations. And the tickets mentioned that you should go in the morning or in the afternoons. So now it's harder to decide if you want to go earlier. They are like uh, more than 3,000 people. Another one is the National Park doing uh, studies, and uh, we want to avoid it to have biggest impact about weight. They are going to regulate it more, I think. So we are going to stay there like three or four hours maximum, and then right after we have to leave. I think that is what will be happening in the future. Lots of us were complaining about it, but nothing to do you know the professionals are starting behind this ones but uh we have to just respect you know, the 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 time what the tickets mention it's on also and the time that you're buying the tickets it's already mentioned that so yeah it's changing regulations yeah luckily that we were there but in case so we want in case you book in advance for sure we're still uh, helping you to take you very early there no it's yeah. like good things too to see a sunrise so yeah mm-hmm. it's a beautiful place it was beautiful and it was good because when you took us through, you being a guide were able to take us through and explain everything to us. And I can't remember how long we were in there for with that tour with you, but we were able to stop and have a look at things and really enjoy it. But then later on, Heidi and I went back in and it was like cattle. We were getting moved around. We couldn't stop at all. We couldn't take photos, which is the whole reason we kind of thought we'd go back in. And it wasn't worth it. We just had the best time with you and we were able to take our time. So that's why I was like, yeah, definitely go early in the morning. But if they're changing things, then maybe late afternoon might be the best time to go as well. But you don't get to see the sunrise over it, which was quite beautiful. A month ago, uh, I did another group. 
and then we recommended to get it uh, tickets now for the morning and also from the afternoons like yes uh, enjoy there and you know? that was like another options for sure there are a lot of options that we can fix that um, but we have to yes respect the national parks so it's right. the, our unique mind if we're not protecting that we're going to a ruin and then uh, so we're not have this that industry not tourism too and that's like one of the big concern for us as well for locals yeah all right well thank you so much for joining me it's been great to have you on i might get you back on in a later date and we might discuss something maybe machu picchu in depth and we might do an episode on that because i know everyone is so interested with the history behind it and you are the man your history knowledge is phenomenal and i was so lucky to have you as my guide so i will put all the details in for valentines so if anyone wants to go and join and ask for her and if you want because he's the man thank you so much for joining me today <laughs> no it's a pleasure thanks for listening to with you every step hosted by michelle lee we do hope you enjoyed listening and if you did make sure you tell everybody if you didn't nobody likes a debbie downer please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at with you every step we love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.